and using fertility awareness-based methods in the cycle chart. Again, it does serve as a fifth vital sign and it helps me to more accurately hone in on my differential and treat the underlying causes in a way that's going to restore that cycle to health. This is Caring for Both, a curbside consult series by the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, where experts offer insights on what it means to provide evidence-based, life-affirming health care to both pregnant women and their preborn children. We upload new episodes every Thursday. I'm your host for today, Miriam Diallo. This is the first of a two-part episode about fertility awareness and cycle charting. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Marguerite Duane, a board-certified family physician and the co-founder and executive director of Facts About Fertility, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating healthcare professionals and students about the scientifically valid natural or fertility awareness-based methods of family planning. FACTS's mission is to educate future healthcare professionals about evidence-based fertility awareness methods, or FABMs, which is the topic we'll be discussing today. Dr. Duane recently completed a primary care research fellowship with a focus on fertility awareness at the University of Utah. She also serves as an adjunct associate professor at Georgetown University, where she directs an introductory course on fertility awareness. Dr. Duane is a, trained as a Creighton Femme and Neofertility Medical Consultant, as well as a Teen Star Educator. She has published articles on the effectiveness of FABMs for family planning and the use of apps for tracking fertility. She has also developed and delivered multiple presentations nationally and internationally on the use of FABMs for family planning and women's health. Dr. Duane, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me here today. First, uh, let's kick off uh, with, can you tell me a little bit about your work in fertility awareness research and education? What did your journey look like to the current work that you're doing? Certainly. Thanks again for the opportunity to share about the work of FACTS. Um, as you noted, our mission is to educate the medical community, especially up-and-coming students and residents and trainees about the science underlying fertility awareness. And my mission and my passion for this work is rooted in my own experience as a trainee. Um, I myself never learned about or heard the term fertility awareness or natural family planning or cycle charting until I was in my first year of my family medicine residency at Lancaster General Hospital. And uh, it was a shock to me because I was passionate about women's health. Like my call to medicine came when I was a young girl and I witnessed the birth of my baby sister um, at home. And I knew that I wanted to be a physician and I knew I was called to doing women's health and maternal and child health. And so this was a topic near and dear to my heart, yet I had never really learned about the female cycle and the value of charting the female cycle or these concepts until I happened to be on OB call one night in my first year of my family medicine residency. So on that OB call that one night, I was getting my postpartum patients ready for discharge, um, writing their prescriptions for birth control, and had a conversation with my senior residents about the effects of birth control um, in the immediate postpartum period, including on return of um, menses, as well as the effect on the baby's, uh, the mom's milk supply. One of the things that I learned that my senior resident shared with me, she, she talked about like the different uh, effects of uh, family planning methods. And one thing that she noted was that there are some forms of family planning that have no medical side effects. And I said, 
what are you talking about? Every every form of family planning, whether it's hormonal birth control or long-acting reversible contraceptives, even condoms can have adverse reactions. And she said, no, there are ways that women can learn to track their cycle, to identify when they may be fertile and when they're not. Um, and because they're working with their body and they're not taking any drugs or using any devices, there are no medical side effects. And I was like, what are you talking about? What are these methods? And she said, well, these are natural methods of family planning or fertility awareness-based methods. And I was stunned. I had never heard about these methods. And as I learned that night, um, I-, I was overwhelmed with like, why didn't I learn about this? Why didn't I learn about this when I was in medical school? Why hadn't I learned about this when I was in college struggling with my own cycle issues and the only option I was offered was hormonal birth control? Why didn't I learn about this as an adolescent when I was first experiencing my cycle? You know, what's interesting to note is the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists came out with a position statement a few years ago stating that the menstrual cycle is the fifth vital sign and adolescents should learn to track their cycle. And I was amazed by this information and I thought, I really want to learn. So after that night on OB call, I learned how to use these methods for myself, for my own personal use. But then I decided I needed to learn more to take care of my patients. And over the next decade, I learned each of the modern evidence-based methods. I learned the Billings ovulation method. I learned the symptothermal method. Then when I was on faculty at Georgetown, I decided to pursue formal training um, as a medical consultant through the Creighton program. And at that time, that was the only medical consultant training available to physicians. And that opened up my eyes to how you could use the female cycle chart to target the diagnostic workup, to time the lab testing where the woman was in her cycle. You know, as medical students were often taught to check a day 21 progesterone. Well, a day 21 progesterone assumes that ovulation occurs on day 14 of the cycle because we know progesterone peaks seven days after ovulation. The reality is, is ovulation occurs on day 21 of the, uh, on day 14 of the cycle, only 15 to 20% of the time. So the majority of the time a day 21 progesterone is not going to give us the information that we need, or at least it's not going to give us accurate information. But when a woman learns to chart her cycle, she can identify that peak day, which occurs within a day or two of ovulation, 90 to 95% of the time. So we can target our testing, our lab testing um, more accurately. And then I learned about different techniques that we can use, treatments that we can apply, interventions that we can offer that work with the female cycle. So with modern fertility awareness-based methods and medical, you know, these medical programs like Creighton and FEM, which stands for Fertility Education and Medical Management, and neofertility, we learn to work with the cycle to restore it to its normal function. So we describe this as a restorative reproductive approach. So a decade after first learning about fertility awareness-based methods, I was on faculty at Georgetown and I had the opportunity to offer a small group elective to first-year medical students. And I thought, as a medical student, I never had the opportunity to learn about the female cycle and the role of charting the cycle and fertility awareness-based methods. This would be a great opportunity to teach a small group of first-year medical students about these methods and how we can use them to facilitate the diagnosis, management, um, and treatment of a wide range of women's health concerns, everything from abnormal uterine bleeding to irregular cycles to painful periods, to mood disorders related to the menstrual cycle, 
and more. So using a restorative reproductive approach, we can more comprehensively and holistically address a range of women's health issues. And at FACS, that's our focus. Our focus is to reach the residents like myself who had never heard about these methods or the physicians in practice who never really learned more about managing the menstrual cycle other than suppressing it with hormonal birth control, reach them with information that will allow them to truly treat a wide range of women's health issues by getting at the root cause and applying a more restorative approach. So at FACTS, that's what our focus is, educating our colleagues about female cycle charting and restorative reproductive medicine. And we do this through a wide variety of, of avenues. Definitely. Your, your journey has uh, certainly given you a, a far depth of knowledge on the specialty of fertility awareness and it makes you really well positioned to do the work that you do at FACTS. I want to quickly quote from the FACTS website. Um, it says that your, your organization's vision uh, is to change the culture of medicine so that fertility is recognized as normal and healthy. And you just mentioned that uh, ACOG in their 651st committee opinion, they state that the menstrual cycle is the fifth vital sign. Could you go a little bit more into detail as to uh, why that is and how this relates to your organization's work. Absolutely. So the female cycle really can serve as the fifth vital sign when women learn to track the signs of the cycle. As physicians, clinicians, women, we learn all about the menses or the period and we learn to observe that. And as you know, when women come in for their well woman exam, we may ask, when was the last menstrual period? So Menstrual bleeding or bleeding of any type really can be an indicator of a woman's health, but it goes beyond that. And when women learn to chart their cycle with a fertility awareness-based method, they can learn to chart three additional signs that indicate what's happening in their cycle and where they are in their cycle. So they can learn to chart cervical mucus or cervical fluid observations, which um, are produced by glandular cells in the cervix. And the type of mucus that is produced is reflective of the various hormone levels. So under rising estrogen, women are going to produce a different type of cervical fluid secretion than she will under progesterone. And when women learn to chart this, it gives us a daily diary. These serve as external observations that, that really reflect the internal hormonal changes that her body is experiencing. So the cervical fluid observations are really critical. And most natural methods of family planning integrate or incorporate cervical fluid observations as part of the method. Another sign that women can learn to observe is her basal body temperature. And this is the temperature that a woman will note at the beginning of her day before she gets up and does anything. She'll check it about the same time every day. And what's interesting to note is the basal body temperature tends to be a little bit lower in the beginning of her cycle from the menses through the follicular phase. But once ovulation occurs and the woman's progesterone rises, she will notice a distinct rise in her basal body temperature that actually mirrors the rise in her progesterone levels. The third sign that a woman can learn to observe are her urinary hormone levels. And there are different devices and monitors that allow a woman to check her urinary estradiol metabolites, her luteinizing hormone, even her progesterone and FSH levels. And again, these urinary hormone measurements reflect the internal hormonal changes. So when a woman brings her cycle chart to me, I teach the medical students that take the facts elective to read the female cycle chart like they learn to read an EKG. 
We go through it in a systematic and standardized way. First, we learn to identify what is the overall length of the cycle, what is the menstrual cycle length, what is the length of her cervical fluid secretions, what is the length of her luteal phase, do we notice any abnormal bleeding or abnormal discharge or any other abnormalities? All of these indicators reflect the health of the female cycle. When I was a medical student and when I was a resident, if a woman came in with abnormal uterine bleeding, we were told, well, you can put her on the pill and that will give her a regular quote unquote period every 28 days. What I've since learned is that the pill doesn't actually give a woman a regular period because the period, as its name indicates, marks the end of a normal ovulatory cycle. When we give women hormonal birth control, what we effectively do is we suppress the cycle or shut it down so that she's not ovulating. And then the woman will stop the hormonal birth control after three weeks or she'll take a week of placebo pills and she'll experience a withdrawal bleed. But that doesn't actually treat the underlying causes. Similarly, I learned if a woman has irregular cycles, well, you can put her on the pill to quote unquote regulate her cycle. Again, it doesn't regulate her cycle, but it gives her a regular withdrawal bleed, but it doesn't get it what is the underlying cause of those irregular cycles. If I have a woman's chart who has irregular cycles, let's say her cycles are 30, 40, 50, even 60 days long, there are signs in her chart that help point me towards the differential diagnosis. So if a woman has a long cycle, 40 to 50 days long, and she has lots of patches of cervical mucus, that says to me that her body is producing estradiol and it's trying to ovulate, but it may not be reaching there. A common cause of long irregular cycles with lots of mucus on the chart is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is one of the most common causes of irregular cycles. But if I see a chart of a woman with a 50 to 60 day cycle and it's dry, I don't see any evidence of cervical mucus. That says to me, she's probably not producing any estradiol. Why not? Well, I need to look back up. Follicle stimulating hormone is what stimulates the development of the follicles that produces the estradiol. If she's not producing estradiol, perhaps it's an issue with the follicle stimulating hormone, which is produced in the pituitary gland. So this is going to help me look further. A common cause of suppression of follicle-stimulating hormone and long, dry, irregular cycles is functional hypothalamic amenorrhea. This could be due to stress. It could be due to overexercise. It could be due to poor eating or anorexia or other eating disorders. So the way I'm going to treat that is fundamentally different than the way that I'm going to treat polycystic ovarian syndrome. But when I was first learning how to treat irregular cycles as a student, as a resident, I was taught give the woman the birth control pill to quote unquote regulate her cycle. But that actually could worsen some of the underlying issues with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it's certainly not going to get at the root cause of a functional hypothalamic amenorrhea picture. So with fertility cycle charting um, and using fertility awareness-based methods in the cycle chart, again, it does serve as a fifth vital sign. And it helps me to more accurately hone in on my differential and treat the underlying causes in a way that's going to restore that cycle to health. You know, I I regret the fact that for years I did put women on hormonal birth control with the best intention to quote unquote treat her PCOS, recognizing now 
then that simply delayed appropriate treatment and may contribute to some of the long-term consequences of PCOS, including insulin resistance and infertility. And so I encourage my colleagues, don't wait make these diagnoses earlier. Um, and this is why at FACTS, we have a presentation specifically for adolescents called Know Your Body. Learn to chart your cycle, understand not only your, your period or your menses or your red flow, but learn to, to recognize and chart your white flow, which reflects the cervical secretions or mucus that you may be observing. This is so much more empowering to young people than simply teaching them that the best way to manage their health issues is to shut down what makes us uniquely women. And that is our menstrual cycle and our, um, you know, our ability to potentially create life down the line. Absolutely. And, and while we've mentioned uh, uh, several potential benefits of uh, the use of, of fertility awareness and, and cycle charting. There's the uh, use in uh, as, a, as a family planning method. Uh, there's the uh, advantages it might have over and against hormonal birth control um, and its use as a diagnostic tool. Are there any other benefits uh, you can think of or, or reasons why women should chart their cycles? Yeah, there are so many benefits to charting their cycles. And again, in, uh, in full disclosure, I am trained as a teen star educator. I strongly believe that we should be teaching girls to chart their cycle from the moment they go through puberty, because this is incredibly empowering to a young person. First of all, in early adolescence, when girls are first experiencing their period, because the hypothalamic pituitary axis is not fully matured, they may experience irregularity in their cycle. But when young girls are learning to chart their cycle, they can start to identify some of these patterns and recognize that this may be a normal part of the developmental process. Again, as a physician, oftentimes with young girls early in adolescence who have irregular cycles, we put them on hormonal birth control to regulate their cycle as opposed to allowing their body to fully develop and mature physically as it's designed to do. By teaching a young girl to chart her cycle, she can begin to identify the various phases of her cycle, the menses, the cervical fluid phase, the luteal phase. This can allow her to begin to identify and predict when she's going to get her period. I mean, let's face it, what teenager wants to be surprised when her period starts? You know, rather she'd like to know when to expect that. She can also start to learn like, wow, I seem to get a lot of headaches like two or three days before my period. Maybe this is related to my hormones. Maybe I need to be better about my sleep or my diet during this time. So it can help them make healthier choices. So for adolescents, for any woman, really learning to chart your cycle can help you insert simply monitoring your health and understand what's happening with your body. For women that may have cycle issues, it can be a very helpful tool to you um, and to your physician or clinician trained in fertility awareness-based methods and restored reproductive techniques to get at root underlying causes and to treat them more effectively. And certainly for couples, I tell people fertility awareness-based methods are the only true forms of family planning because they allow couples to identify that window of fertility and use that knowledge if their goal is to try to prevent pregnancy or if their goal is to try to achieve pregnancy. What's amazing is that most people may not realize that a normal, healthy woman is only fertile, that is, she's only capable of becoming pregnant for less than one week out of her cycle. Typically, it's about three to six days on average. The rest of the time, the woman is not fertile. 
that she simply cannot get pregnant. And this relates to the fact that a woman only ovulates once per cycle. And when she releases that egg, the egg is only available for fertilization for 12 to 24 hours. That is one day. Now, could you imagine if couples had to identify that one day when a woman ovulates in order to conceive? The the good news is, is that because of the fertile cervical fluid that the woman produces under the influence of estradiol, that can actually allow sperm to survive longer in the woman's cervical um, glandular cells. In the absence of fertile cervical fluid, sperm will die very quickly within the woman's reproductive tract. But fertile cervical fluid can allow sperm to survive for up to three to five days. And that is what gives women that fertile window of three to six days. Again, women are fertile less than one week out of their cycle, and yet Women bear the brunt of the responsibility for preventing pregnancy, often taking hormonal birth control or having a long-acting reversible contraceptive inserted so they're daily exposed to the side effects of those methods when they're not fertile most of the time. But when couples can learn to identify that fertile window, if they're trying to get pregnant, they can use that information to time pregnancy. I I love to tell the story. I had a couple that came to see me um, when I was you know, working at a Title X clinic in inner city DC. And they had been trying for over a year to get pregnant. She was 27 and he was 31. So they were certainly not of advanced maternal age. I mean, they were really at peak fertility in many ways. Um, And they had been trying for over a year. The husband had a child from a previous relationship. And so the wife thought that there must be something wrong with her. The woman was like, I don't know what's happening. But what she said was that she had regular cycles, but she would get what she described as a recurrent infection. She wasn't sure if it was a vaginal infection or a yeast infection, but every month she would get this discharge and she assumed that it was an infection. And so every month when she had this copious fluid, you know, which we now know were cervical fluid secretions, she would deliberately avoid having sex with her husband because she didn't want to give him whatever it was that she had. You know, sadly, in our world, we have convinced women that anything that comes out down there, whether it's their period or cervical fluid secretions or, you know, heaven forbid a baby, like we treat that as a bad thing as opposed to what it is. It's, no, this is the way our body is designed to function, right? The cervical fluid secretions are critical for allowing a woman um, to be able to conceive. The period is a wonderful way for the woman's body to clean out Um, the uterus of the womb to prepare it for the next cycle. And certainly a baby is a sign that a woman's reproductive system and a man's reproductive system are working the way that it should. You know, what's interesting is that the reproductive system is the only system that in order for it to reach its full potential to function to its ideal, it requires two people, right? A woman still to this day cannot get pregnant without the sperm that the man produces. And so together we need the male and female working together to allow for the full function of the reproductive system. When a couple can um, identify that window of fertility, they can then time that their sexual relations. And so with this couple that I described, you know, I did a full workup. I ensured she had no underlying infections. And what she described was a normal healthy cycle and normal cervical fluid secretions. And I said, humor me. The next time you have that discharge, do me a favor and have sex with your husband. I can guarantee you the only thing you will give him is a baby. And they came back two months later pregnant and they were overjoyed. 
and they thought I was a miracle worker. And really all I did was educate them in how their body works. But can I tell you, I didn't know that when I was a resident. I didn't know that a woman was only fertile for a very short period of time. I think we often learn that women can get pregnant at the drop of the hat. This is why birth control is so ubiquitous. And yet the reality is, is that most women are only fertile for a very short period of time. The other thing that we fail to acknowledge is that fertility decreases with age. And so learning to chart your cycle at a young age can help you identify that window, can help you identify potential factors, both male and female, that may adversely affect your ability to get pregnant. And so it's important. So there are many benefits to charting the female cycle. First and foremost, monitoring your health, knowing what's normal and what's not identifying potential underlying abnormalities within the cycle or within the female hormones itself. I've had patients who have charted with a symptothermal method and they notice that their basal body temperature is really low. That can oftentimes be a sign of hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism is a general endocrine disorder that will absolutely affect a woman's menstrual health, but it'll affect many other aspects of her health as well. So addressing underlying health issues. And then from a family planning perspective, using it to identify that window of fertility for couples that want to try to achieve pregnancy, identify potential underlying causes of infertility. And the reality is, is infertility is becoming an increasing problem. The statistics show that that now one in five couples struggle with infertility. Infertility is a symptom of an underlying disease. Charting your cycle with a fertility awareness-based method allows you to work with restorative reproductive medicine trained clinicians to get at what those underlying causes may be. The two most common causes in women, polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis. And there are signs in the cycle chart that we can see. For example, with endometriosis, it's very common for women to have spotting two to three days or more before her period. And so being able to identify that can help us work that out. And then of course, Fertility awareness-based methods can be used to effectively prevent pregnancy without medical side effects. There are many evidence-based methods available via the FACTS website, factsaboutfertility.org. We have a presentation called The Facts About Fertility Explained that goes through the different methods, how they work, and their effectiveness for family planning. This is geared to a general audience. For our medical colleagues, we have webinars that are approved for CME credit, including fertility awareness-based methods for family planning, both to avoid and achieve pregnancy. And of course, we have a webinar on the female cycle as a fifth vital sign. These provide a wonderful introduction to your for your listeners who may be new to this, like I was as a resident, even to learn the basics. And beyond that, we have continuing medical education courses that really go to the next level and do a deep dive. But there are many benefits for women and for medical professionals to learn the female cycle. Thank you so much, Dr. Duane. This has been a great first half of our conversation. We'll be back next week for part two. And a massive thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you like this episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review on whatever podcast app you're using to listen. If you have any topic requests, you can reach out to us on social media via the links in the description of this episode or via email at info at aaplog.org. If you're a medical professional interested in joining the AppLog community, we'd love to have you become a member by going to aaplog.org join. We exist to support your pro-life practice. We will see you next week.